You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. Skin problems in diabetes can be managed with early diagnosis and treatment. What do healthcare professionals need to be aware of to help their diabetic patients with serious skin problems? Joining us to discuss skin conditions in patients with diabetes is dermatologists specializing in diabetes at Puget Sound Dermatology in Edmonds, Washington, Dr. Janet Trowbridge. Dr. Trowbridge, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Edelman. Now, before we get into the laundry list of skin conditions that are a lot more common and specific to people with diabetes, let's just talk about... uh, their skin in general? Why is their skin so messed up? Well, the skin of diabetics, not a lot of the pathogens isn't entirely understood. But as you can imagine, many of the problems that lead to other end organ dysfunction are happening in the skin. And I'll come back to this over and over again, that you have to think of your skin as a giant immune organ. So uh, host immune defense against infection, against irritation, are all down. And then because of changes in metabolism from diabetes, you get more deposition of potential irritants into the skin. And that's about all we know. We do know how to prevent and address some of the symptoms. And you mentioned in one of the questions about uh, the reason for a varying skin profile. What do you mean by that? Because of genetics, we're all, um, we, our profile is different. And, and because of the immunology is so complicated, um, some people have more, simply more sensitive skin in the same way that people have different varying degrees of pigment in their skin. And that changes throughout the year. It changes with aging. It changes with different disease processes. And in practice, we see a lot of people with diabetes come in. And, it's either, it's, and I should say also, in addition to the diabetes itself, a lot of the medications we use probably lead to some irritation. Let's go into the first condition I think everyone can relate to, and obviously not only specific to people with diabetes, which is basically dry skin. And dry skin is it's just it's, it's what keeps me in business. Um, we're not used to really doing much to take care of our skin. We, we, we were born with it and stays there for 80 or 90 years. And most people, frankly, don't pay attention to it every day. And as we age, those of us in, in, in drier climates, um, different um, work environments, you have to protect your skin, and you have to protect it from the inside, so eating healthy, all those things that are really hard to do, and then from the outside. And people need to put, in addition to sunscreen, you know, once or twice a year, which is really all people ever use sunscreen, you need to use emollients and pay attention because your skin has a really big job to do. Give us an idea, because I, I heard someone say lotion is not that hydrating because it's got alcohol in there. You've got to use something that's really thick and gooey and hard to put on and hard to get off. Well, one of our favorite things, especially in, in babies and, and elderly folks, is, is to use Vaseline, you know, something that's, that's sticky. Uh, there are millions and millions of lotions and potions now. In general, creams are more hydrating than lotions, and petroleum-based products, which are not the favorite of some patients, um, are more hydrating than creams. In general, you want to avoid fragrances and fewer rather than more ingredients. And one thing I run into a lot is people will go to their you know, Whole Foods or their, their, their organic drugstore, 
and pick up something that's natural. And natural doesn't always mean non-irritating. And what about uh, lachydrin? I know my wife, who is a podiatrist, tells patients. Lachydrin is, is wonderful. Some people find it a, a, a bit stingy. So people with older people with fragile skin often don't like it. But I love amlactin and lachydrin. They're, they're both available wi- widely now, and it's especially good for lower extremities and feet. And people with diabetes tend to have, as you know, a lot of feet problems. So it's a nice, we call it a keratolytic, so it thins out the skin and there's less chance for irritation and bugs and grubs moving in. Hey, for just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with Dr. Janet Trowbridge. We are discussing skin conditions in patients living with diabetes. Let's talk about acanthosis nigricans. Talk, tell us about that. It is one of the most um, common diseases, uh, skin conditions that we see that signal to us that someone may have a propensity for insulin resistance. And with the advent of more kids with diabetes, I'm seeing more in the pediatric population. What it looks like, and, and people almost always come in and say, my son's neck looks dirty. So it's velvety, brown. You can see it on the tops of the hands, uh, in the axilla, pretty much everywhere, but the neck is very, very, very um, common, and people scrub it, and they can't get it out. And what that is is an end organ dysfunction. Um, We don't exactly understand how it works, but you get um, overgrowth of skin, and it has this very, um, very characteristic morphology. And and, ammonium lactate is one of the things we use in retinoids, so keratolytics, just to try to keep it from being thick and dark. I see. So that really actually helps? Again, it's it's skin profile. It helps uh, sometimes in, in people who are lighter skinned, not so much in darker skinned individuals. I was asked recently at a conference that uh, if the person has type 2 diabetes, you know, like a young, heavy Latino kid, for example, and you treat the diabetes, does it go away? Um, I think you can prevent it from progressing, and I have had, had people feel like it had improved. Uh, but it, I don't. It, it's irreversible in some people, but I never promise anything. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, we will have kids come in and they've got beautiful acanthosis nigricans. We and they've got a family history, but they haven't presented themselves. And I usually counsel those people that that's the next thing that's going to happen. Let's go into NLD. Necrobiosis lipoidica diabeticorum, um, and. These are very, can be very striking, and they're on the anterior uh, lower extremities. The skin is yellowish, uh, it can be orange, shiny, and very, very fragile. This isn't something that shows up quickly, uh, and we really don't know what causes it. We do know that uh, it is not reversible except in rare instances, and we put very high-potency steroids on it, and we sometimes even inject these plaques. Um, but it's it's rather disfiguring, and these people do not want to wear shorts. They're very, very upset. Yeah, I've seen it uh, occasionally. It does pop up, and it, it every time I've seen it, it's really basically on the shins. It's on the shins, and it, the, the, the skin looks, it almost can look like a very severe burn, some sort of horrible traumatic. So you can see the blood vessels are, are coming are coming through, and it can, it can be it can really very, it can vary from being very red to very yellow. Yeah, and and it it can change over time as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's, it's again, and it's it's we, you know, we just counsel people take care of the skin, take care of the condition now, and prevent further exacerbation of it. 
Well, let's go to a condition that you probably see more in a type 2 diabetic with metabolic syndrome and high triglycerides, eruptive xanthomas. These are, these are very, uh, they're, these are very dramatic, and this is the, the typical person that comes in is somebody in their 30s or 40s, and they've got this rash, and it's on their elbows sometimes, on their legs, and it itches in their yellow papules. And I've had people come in, and they've looked on the Internet, and they're convinced they have smallpox because it's, it's, very, it's very upsetting looking. It's smallpox looking. It's smallpox looking, um, and they're yellowish papules, so eruptive xanthomas, and these actually are reversible um, if they're not irritated and, and, and brought scarring. So these, if you, if you treat the glucose and you bring the triglycerides down, these will fade away. And now that everybody uh, is using laser therapy, we can get them to go away quicker if we want to, but I generally counsel people. Don't worry. This is this is one of the good things, and I should say the buttocks and the elbows are another a really common place that this shows up. You know, the, and I, I was under the impression that this is one of these lesions where it shows up quickly, but also goes away quickly as soon as you treat the triglycerides. It can it can go. I mean, it just melts away, and people just think you're you know, as a dermatologist, people usually don't think we're very brilliant. But this is the one where you go, oh, you you, know, you we need to check your triglycerides, and they're through the roof, and they think, wow, you. You really know something. Let's talk about scleroderma diabeticorum. Now, I like that name because, you know, I, I recognize that diabetic part in there. <laughs> so this, is one of, this, is, this one's kind of near and dear to me because I used to work on these things called glycosaminoglycans. Um, and we believe, or we used to believe, that this is due to inappropriate deposition of glycosaminoglycans. Uh, so if I can just get nerdy for a minute... The glycosylation changes, and you can actually get um, hard, firm plaques in various areas. The upper back is a, is a, is a very common one. Janet, how does uh, hemodialysis play a role in patients with diabetes and skin problems? In general, um, people who are uh, hemodialysis-dependent, they can develop uh, perforating disorders, uh, which are probably due to deposition of things that aren't cleared by normal kidney function. People get incredibly itchy and very pruritic. You can get papules. Um, people I've, will come in and can actually have you know, scratched themselves to the point of looking like they've been in a horrible burn accident. And there are two populations, well, it's probably five populations, but in general there are people who they get incredibly itchy between, between dialysis visits, and once they're dialyzed, they feel like a new person. Other people get incredibly itchy during dialysis or shortly thereafter. So it, it's, it's some metabolic process that's going on in the skin, and it is horrible. It's the number one, it's the number one uh, complaint of people that we have uh, that are hemodialysis. Well, what could you do other than put mitts over their hands? Um, I sometimes will give people pretty strong, I mean, many people are, well, actually, you can answer this. Are people still giving steroids when people are dialyzed? Yep. So that helps. Uh, running Benadryl helps um, to prevent the damage of the skin in between. There's something called Sarna, which is menthol and camphor. Uh, Sarna is the brand name, which can be soothing. It cools the skin on contact. Uh, there's topical Benadryl. And then, you know, back to, back to what we use all the time, topical steroids. What should be the overall care regimen? You have to sort of honor your skin every single day and realize that it protects you from heat and cold, dry, wet, 
infections, and that means taking care of it. And many people start to take care of their face as they get older. You know, millions of dollars have been spent on creams for for ladies' faces and men too, but no one pays attention to the rest of the skin. So every time you wash, moisturize. You don't need to use soap on areas that don't get dirty. You don't need to shower every day. So I just tell people to keep themselves frosted well and protected from extreme elements. I'd like to thank our guest, dermatologist specializing in diabetes at Puget Sound Dermatology in Edmonds, Washington, Dr. Janet Trowbridge. Dr. Trowbridge, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Uh, Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.